my name is Ananta, this is Maria, and we're um, very uh, glad you could all join us today. We welcome our guests to the Expanding Light, the Living with Spirit program, guests on the internet, the entire uh, Ananda Sangha family for today. So thank you for joining us. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light. This is the chapter called uh, The Redeeming Light. These are parallel passages from the Bible and Gita that Swami Kriyananda wrote. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The book of Isaiah in the Bible, chapter 9, tells us, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death Upon them hath the light shined. What is this light of which so many scriptures speak? In Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, we read of an early experience the Master had with that light. It's a quote. I was blessed about the age of eight with a wonderful healing through the photograph of Lahiri Moshai. This experience gave intensification to my divine love. While at our family estate in Ichapur, Bengal, I was stricken with Asiatic cholera. My life was despaired of. The doctors could do nothing. At my bedside, mother frantically motioned me to look at Lahiri Morshai's picture on the wall above my head. Bow to him mentally. She knew I was too feeble even to lift my hands in salutation. If you really show your devotion and inwardly kneel before him, your life will be spared. I gazed at his photograph and saw there a blinding light, enveloping my body and the entire room. My nausea and other uncontrollable symptoms disappeared. I was well. At once I felt strong enough to bend over and touch mother's feet in appreciation of her immeasurable faith in her guru. Mother pressed her head repeatedly against the little picture. O omnipresent master, I thank thee that thy light hath healed my son. I realized that she too had witnessed the luminous blaze through which I had instantly recovered from a usually fatal disease. Where my light is, God once told a saint whom the divine light had healed, no darkness can dwell. The divine light Pure, calm, liberating is the only final cure for every kind of delusion, ill health, emotional grief, and spiritual ignorance. Seek it daily in the silence in deep meditation. As the Bhagavad Gita says in the fifth chapter, For whom that darkness of the soul is chased by light, splendid and clear shines manifest the truth as if a sun of wisdom sprang to shed its beams of light. Through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Thank you. 
I'd like to welcome all of you as well, and thank you for the blessings that you bring today. Uh, the satsang that we have together is truly a, a priceless gift. I want to begin with a <clears throat> reading from Whispers from Eternity, and this is by Paramhansa Yogananda. It's entitled, Make Us Transparent, That Thy Light may shine through us unimpeded. The sunbeams of thy love shine equally on all the members of thy cosmic family, whether prophet, hero, villain, tiny moth, or me. It is our own fault if we make ourselves opaque by our own mental and emotional dullness. Teach us to wipe away the dirt of air from the windows of our understanding. Our arms are weak for the task, owing to our long inner spiritual resistance. O Master Cleanser, lend power to our efforts that we may wipe away every last spot that clings to our minds, obscuring our transparency and preventing free entry to thy light. O make us fully clean again, invisible in our egos, because transmitting only visions of thy beauty which lies within us. Excuse me. So our subject this morning is the redeeming light. And these passages from the Bible are especially beautiful, very simple, but also timeless and give us hope. They are ancient and they could be present time. It really speaks to us that it doesn't matter when we live, what yuga we live in, what we're born into as far as family or environment, None of this matters. That light, the light, can ascend in our reality, in our life, in our consciousness, anytime, anywhere. It has for the great ones, for all time. It has for all receptive hearts who have opened themselves to that reality. I was remembering in the early 80s when Swami Kriyananda, he wrote, uh, was inspired to write, Uh, music in regards to the life of Christ. He had just been on pilgrimage to the Holy Land, and he wrote what we know presently as the oratorio, the life of Christ in music. And on the heels of, it wasn't even the completion of that music yet, he was still working out the fine points, and he gathered uh, a number of us together in the dome at his home and had us start uh, learning the parts and rehearsing the music. And I remember two of them really spoke to me, uh, I think because of their universality and uh, for whatever other reason, you remain our friend and thy light within us shining. And of these two pieces, I was so inspired. And we didn't sing the oratorio very much at that time. We learned it. And, but unless it was the oratorio or for performance in that regard, we weren't singing it. 
like we do now. We'll sing certain pieces at a Sunday service or a concert, this kind of thing. And I had this thought in my mind all the time, I wish we could somehow incorporate thy light and you remain our friend into something that we're singing and frequenting often. Well, I don't remember if I ever mentioned that to Swamiji. I don't think he did it for my sake or because I would have, you know, or did mention it. But it was a short time after that, a year or so, that Swamiji was inspired to write the Festival of Light. And indeed, for all of us who have experienced that, we know that these two songs are in there. But this song, Thy Light, the words are, Thy light within us shining has shown where freedom lies. From earthly walls confining to soar in spirit's skies. How oft like sheep we have strayed apart, now guided by thy ray. In inner freedom of the heart, our night has turned to day. It's a powerful song. And it really speaks universally whatever people's orientations to the heart and to the truth that this light is our reality. Light is one of eight aspects of God. These are calmness, peace, love, joy, power, wisdom, sound, and light. And these eight aspects, they weren't made up conveniently to appease the person who is not comfortable with the God word. This wasn't something just invented. This just isn't new age, a new age look at religion or God. These are universal aspects, qualities that we experience when we go deep in our spiritual life. For us, when we go deep in meditation. Yogananda says that if we meditate on light, what we experience is calmness of mind. And of calmness of mind is born purity and clarity. And if we take it deeper in meditation, if we go deeper into that aspect of light, what we start to experience is a view onto the world as made of light. The things of this world are made of light. They appear matter, but they are made of light. And each one of you and every being on this planet, they may not appear light on the outside, but everything is made of light. And we start to see the world that way. We start to experience the world that way when we go deeply into it. Light is really, light heralds all the comings and goings on this planet of things and people. When someone is born, when someone dies, that energy exchange, matter to energy, energy to matter, is accompanied by light. And not to mention, well, we in the, in the uh, I think it was in the fire ceremony this morning, but... Lahiri appears to, to Babaji and Mataji. They come together on the steps of the Mother Ganga to meet, and Ramgopal Mutsamdar is there to behold this, and Lahiri floats across the Ganges in a ball of light. 
And when Yukteswar appears to master in his resurrected form, it is preceded by a brilliant light. And so all these comings and goings, everything that happens, we are made of light, we come from light. Yogananda would oftentimes use the analogy. He would talk about, you know, I haven't been to a movie theater in so long, I don't even know if this is still true. Maybe we're all digital and the projector doesn't exist anymore. I I don't know. But it's a great analogy. At least some of us, if it's not utilized anymore, can remember it. And he said, you know, you see on the screen there all of these images, people, you see drama, you see tragedy, you see love, you see joy, the whole gamut. And he said, if you turn your head around and you follow that light from the screen back, you see it as a single beam from the projector. And the projector is projecting all of this drama, all of this life. And this is the world in which we live. It looks so real and tragedy seems so real and horrible, and love is so beautiful, and nature is so exalting. But it's all just a manifestation, a projection of light, of the consciousness of God. And if we go into it deeply enough, we start to see how that works. We start to see and experience what that is. And more importantly than that, Because reminded of the light without and the light within, we go into that light. We live more in that truth. Yogananda was once uh, making a recording of chants. And this was in Swami Kriyananda's time. And he was recording a number of chants. Swamiji was there. And he was singing this song that was sung this morning, What Lightning Flash. And... Kriyananda had to leave. He was obligated to give a class that evening. And he wanted to be with his guru, but he also wanted to, and felt, you know, that he needed to do this class for, the guru, for his guru. And so Yogananda was doing this chant. Kriyananda had to leave, but he said he would be back. And he did come back. And when he came back, Yogananda was uh, listening to the recording that had been made. And this very same song was being sung. But this time, Yogananda was dancing with it and feeling that thrill, as it says, I am thrilled through and through with the light of Divine Mother. And he was dancing with Divine Mother and he was in a state of ecstasy. That was his reality. It was always his reality, even if he was engaged in some kind of action outwardly. It was his consciousness. It was how he saw and how he viewed the world. And so, in that the masters, this is their reality, in that we are made in the image of God. This has to be our reality. This has to be our truth. Why are we not seeing it all the time? In last man- the last many decades, There, we've all acquired a new vocabulary word, light pollution. And we know that at at nighttime, when there's so much electricity on the planet, and especially in urban areas, if you live in one, you know this to be true. You look outside, you look up at the sky, you know there's stars, there aren't any clouds, and you can't see a thing. 
You can't see the stars. You can't see the Milky Way. You can't see the planets because of this light pollution. In the same way, we are blinded by material light. And we look at the world so much through our physical eyes, forgetting that inner capacity to see that all we see is what is the material world, the physical world around us. And so we have to reaccustom our eyes. We have to reaccustom our sight to be able to perceive this. That's the only distinction. It's not that the masters have it and we don't. It's just that they're utilizing it and we have become unaccustomed to it. So we just have to reawaken that capacity, that ability, again. And how do we do that? There's three things I just I want to talk about in this context. And the first of these is concentration. Yogananda used the image also a lot. He said, when you gather up rays of light and you bring it to a focus, direct it to a lens, and thus the light through that lens onto an object, be it wood, paper, this kind of thing, it ignites. It is, that light is with such intensity, so much power, and it actually ignites that object and brings it to light, and we can think of it as consuming that object and spiritually consuming that delusion. That's why meditating on the light is so important, because it does dispel that darkness. And so, in concentration, he tells this story. It's a beautiful example of a man. He had diabetes. He was diagnosed by the doctor. Very serious, very uh, progressive case of it. And the doctor gave him a few months to live. And the man thought to himself, and he said, well, if this is all the time that I have then I want to spend my time in meditation thinking of the Lord. And he didn't meditate. He he didn't have that discipline, that practice. But he made that connection and that this was something, the most valuable thing he could do with the time remaining. And so he started to work with that discipline. And he tried just a little bit every day and he would pray very intensely, God, Come into my broken temple. That was his prayer. He would say that prayer with great intensity, and then he would try to practice meditation. And so he would meditate a little bit every day. He would do it more and more intensely every day, add on a little more time. A week went by, a couple of weeks went by, a month went by, two months went by. Every day, a little bit more meditation and that intensive prayer to God. Three months went by, his supposed allotted time, and he was still in his body. And so he kept meditating longer and longer. A year went by, two years went by, three years went by. And by this time he was meditating the greater part of the day. This was his reality. It was the only thing worth living for, and somehow it had become all this time. And three years had passed, and one day in meditation, he was flooded with light and went into a state of ecstasy. And when he came out of that meditation, no more illness, no more disease. 
And he said, Lord, why? He said, all I asked was that you come into my broken temple. I didn't ask you to heal me. And the Lord said to him, wherever my light is, there can be no darkness. Beautiful story of the power of concentration, of meditation on that light. And why it's so important, because that light is our reality. We're so quick to say, I come from California, which I do in this incarnation on the material plane, but far truer it would be to say, I come from light. I come from light. We are made of that light. Rajasi Janakananda, at the end of his life, you know, Master says, if you don't see the light, meditate on the darkness and look for the light. You know, in other words, gaze at that point at the spiritual eye and hold steady right there at that point. Whatever comes, if it's just darkness, let it come and stay focused on that center there and visualize, if you can, the light of the spiritual eye. But stay with it. And Rajasi Janakananda, Yogananda's, one of his foremost disciples, at the end of his life, God was going to take him through a particular illness. He had a brain tumor, and he had, I think, three surgeries. And then he said, no more, no more. But he was lying there in bed, and it was dark. And when he closed his eyes... That's the darkness I'm referring to. It was dark. He wasn't used to that. He was a very exalted soul. He spent a lot of time with Yogananda and in meditation, in samadhi. And to see this darkness was, was something new to him. And he, of course, felt concern over it. And he wanted so desperately to feel the Divine Presence with him, Yogananda with him. But he stayed there at that center and he said after a while, and I think a considerable bit of time went by, he just saw this little pinpoint of light. I mean, just probably smaller than a pinpoint. And he just honed in on it and stayed there with it. And by and by that light started to expand little by little by little. And into that light came the appearance, the presence of all of the masters as he had experienced them oftentimes. And that light became again his consciousness. So to stay in there, to stay concentrated, don't be, let us not be disturbed by the darkness. Let us not be disturbed by what doesn't look right in the world. Let us look for the light. Let us look for what is whole. Let us look for what uh, reflects the divine. The second point I wanted to make was that of affirmation. I think especially, well, it probably depends, but if we've been on the path a long time, you know, we probably take most seriously our practice of Kriya Yoga. But Master says that affirmation is very very important. We have to know that. I mean, how many thoughts do we entertain in a day that are unconstructive, that are even harmful to our existence and outlook? Affirmation is so important. And I remember many years ago, I was fast asleep, I assume, but all of a sudden, I was lying on my back, and all of a sudden, my whole body, it woke me up, lifted off the bed a few inches, just shot up. 
And in that split second, I was just aware of being enveloped in darkness. And my initial thought, I didn't say it out loud, but it was very forceful. My reality is the light. And my body just dropped to the bed. And all that, whatever it was, wherever it came from, I don't know. But it was gone. And the reason why we do affirmation is to get those thoughts which, it, which are our own, which are our divine memory. They're who we are. But to get them just strongly there in our subconscious mind, in our conscious mind, in our superconscious mind. So that in whatever circumstance, when we need them, that becomes the automatic response. Because it's our reality. These other things are not our reality. Darkness is not our reality. Fear is not our reality. Limitation is not our reality. And if we live in those things, and we need that thought of light, it's going to be in the background. And so to practice affirmation, not just blindly, not just passively, not just routinely, but to really start to, Yogananda says, feel yourself inside of that affirmation. Feel that it's coming up from inside of you. It's who you are. It's, it's, it's the light reflecting from you. It's, it's, it's your whole reality and it'll be there for you all of the time. Ultimately, it'll be, that'll be our consciousness in everything. It'll be how we see the world. And it'll be a true vision, a true view of the world. Master says, when you see light, you'll know it's real, divine light, by its brilliance. If it's clouded or dull, it's not of the divine. But keep going into it and look for that bright, bright light that is your own. And the last point is devotion. And this is really what was highlighted in the reading this morning when Yogananda's mother was telling her son, bow mentally to Lahiri. You know, remember she took him to Lahiri as, as a little one for blessing. And there is a connection there. But she knew of her own faith, of her own devotion, and she led Yogananda as a little child in that. Devotion is so key. Master says when you experience devotion, seize it with zeal. Hold on to it and feel it as your own, feel it as your whole being. There's a beautiful story in the life of St. Francis among so many. And he had decided that the brothers, all of them, were to go out and share the joy of living a simple life. And so they all set off in different directions. Francis was accompanied by one of the brothers. And everything they did was on foot. They weren't wearing much. It was winter. Uh, It was stormy. It was snowing. It was wet. Miserable by all accounts. And it was a long day. And they decided to rest. And they found some cave off the side of the road. And they went to that cave. After a while, the brother left Francis to go beg for food in a nearby village, and Francis was alone. And he was in that cave, and it was dark. It was very dark. And Francis started to worry. He started to feel the burden that life had put on him. 
and the responsibility for all the brothers, for the work, for getting this message out about living a life of simplicity, his own fears, his own limitations. They just started to glom on in that darkness, and he was tired. And he was going on like this, and his prayer was, Lord, don't let anything get in the way of my love for you. And he just kept saying that prayer. I may have not paraphrased it exactly, but that's the gist of it. He just kept praying to God, don't let anything be stronger than my love for you. And he kept up with that prayer. And all of a sudden, he noticed on his hands that they were light. There was a great light shining on his hands. And he looked up and the whole cave was full of light. And a voice came to him in that light and said, be strong, Francis, all is well. And then he saw this vision in the light. And the vision was of thousands of brothers, thousands of them coming from every direction, north, east, southwest, coming on foot and coming to learn from the brothers this life of simplicity and centeredness in God. And Francis was ecstatic. And he ran out into the snow. It was a blizzard. And he just shouted to the heavens, to his brothers, come, come, I have a message for all of us. And it was carried on the wind, and they heard him. They heard him through the ohm. And they came, and they all gathered back together, that little handful of, of brothers at Rivo Torto, for those of you who know that place of pilgrimage. And Francis shared his vision, and how God came to him and spoke to him in that light, And he said, they're coming, they're coming. I can hear their footsteps. And they will honor and embrace this life of simplicity and centeredness in God. Such a beautiful story. And, you know, whatever whatever the orientation, whatever the path, whatever the religion, these stories of the light are universal because true. And so many individuals actual experience and potentially the experience of us all. And so to hold on to that light, to devotionally embrace that light, to concentrate on it, to affirm it, and to meditate on it. I wanted to just close with a reading from the essence of self-realization. And these were actual, um, actually recorded by Swami Kriyananda in the time that he spent with his guru, Yogananda. They were recorded at that time and later compiled in this book. And I wanted to read this particular reading. It's very short, but uh, a lot is said here just about the power of living in the light. And just with a simple guided visualization here. So... uh, Let's just sit upright for a moment and concentrate at the spiritual eye. Visualize your consciousness expanding like a blue light, encompassing all space. Imagine the stars and galaxies shining like the lights of a distant city within the infinitude of your being. Meditate on your vastness within. 
you will find in this visualization an important adjunct to the meditation techniques. It will help to remind you of your inner divine nature. Those are Yogananda's words. It will help you to remind you of your inner divine nature. Mm.